Hi, this is Jason, lead pastor at Casper Alliance Church. Thanks for joining our weekly uh, teaching podcast from our Sunday morning worship gathering at Casper Alliance Church in Casper, Wyoming. Uh, We appreciate you listening. This is our 10th week and working through the book of Hebrews. Actually, it's the 11th week. Man, if you've listened to me for a while, you know, sometimes those numbers get messed up in my head and we just spend a lot of time in books. So, yeah, it is the 11th week. This is Hebrews chapter 10. I hope you enjoy it. It was a great time on Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can check us out at casperchurch.com. Or if you're interested in downloading our app, go to your Google uh, App Store, your Apple App Store. Search for Casper Alliance Church. Look for the double C's. Download the app and connect with us there. Have a great week. Thanks. So you go to Bible college, you go to seminary, and, and um, you're like, man, my, I'm going to teach my kids awesome, and they're going to learn. And I, I'm not going to show this video. I've showed it before. But there's this great video on YouTube of Caleb uh, doing the books of the Bible when he's like five years old. I had nothing to do with it. Adrian taught, <laughs> taught our kids everything they know. So if they're misbehaving, she taught them everything they know. But you, there's these things that you, like, you think you're going to do and you think you have planned out and you map out your entire life and you're like, I'm going to do all of this stuff and I'm going to be really good at it. And when I got to my first ministry position in Troy, Michigan, and they told me the code to the building, I was like, I don't, all right, those numbers significant? And I'm, no joke, Pastor Paul Lehman, Reverend Lehman, who served in uh, like 50 years overseas in Africa and in France, he looked at me with straight face and and in his nicest possible way, said, you're dumb. He looked, he's like, you're dumb. I'm like, what? He goes, it's the Old Testament and the New Testament. 39 books in the Old. And I'm like, oh. I was 20, I don't know, 25, 26 years old, first time in ministry. And I was, I felt so embarrassed. But now I just give that code out to everybody, so. <laughs> Joke's on them. But there's these things that like you think you you think you're going to do, you think you know, and they just, they just don't happen. And so that's part of, I think, part of what we're, we're going to end up talking about today. Um, there's, there's a discipline structure or like a show-up structure to the Christian faith where you just need to show up and keep working at it. And, and when you do that, all of a sudden your brain starts to fill with this content and you just know it. And so anyway, we're going to be in Hebrews 10. We're going to look at a, a handful of verses. And... Um, I've been trying really hard to, to do it the old-fashioned way and, and, um, and allow the, the, which is the way it's supposed the old-fashioned way, the appropriate way, um, and let the text come alive as I'm studying so that it, it just reveals what needs to be said. And then my relationship with the church uh, and, and how I'm leading and how we're just kind of walking through life together will review a hand, re- reveal a handful of things that I think are important to bring out, to talk about, to share from, as we're at, from the text, right? There's another way of going about it it to say, I'm going to crowbar this text into the thing that I want to say, which frankly happens more often than we probably all want to admit. Like, I have to say this particular thing this particular week. So no matter what, I'm going to make this particular text fit my narrative. And so I've been really, I, I'm, I'm anti that, by the way, just in case you were all wondering. I kind of just say what I want to say. But at the same time, I want the, the, the text that we're looking at to inform my words. This week, um, as I, as I was just studying through it, it's, it's a passage that we've, we've read that you all know if you've been in church. It's things that we've talked about even in the, 
here since I, my arrival four years ago. And um, what kept happening is the language that, isn't it wild? We all lost a year and a half, by the way. Every single one of you lost a year and a half. Just, I don't know, there's a, there's a scientific term for it, and I don't know it, but that 20 and a half to 22 is just like vaporizing everybody's brain. But um, when, I was, when I was studying, the thing that kept popping into my head was our vision and values at Casper Alliance Church. Every week, right? It's, there's, this, there's a word I'm saying somewhere in there that's like triggering my watch. Every week. Okay, are you guys comfortable with a side story? This, so um, the, the youth room now has two ping pong tables. Um, our youngest son, Carter, uh, thinks that he's a ping, a ping pong professional. He, he can't beat anybody, by the way. He's not here to defend himself, but he's horrible. Um, but when we were on vacation, they had ping pong tables there, and he just fell in love with ping pong. And um, you might have a kid who just cares about one thing and one thing only, and he only cares about ping pong. Every day, it's like, can we go play ping pong? Can we go play ping pong? Can we go play ping pong? And um, no, every day is no, because <laughs> I'm tired of beating you. I have no mercy. Like, I believe in no mercy towards your children. Let them have it. Show them that they're the weaker vessel and just give it to them, right? So when we play basketball, my kids who think that they're good, they, they get dominated by their overweight father who's actually shorter than them now, who's playing in flip-flops because no mercy. Let them learn the, easy, the hard way that it's not easy. So that's, that's how I approach ping pong with Carter. And I went to college. I went to the University of Nebraska. So I, got, I have like partial degree in ping pong. And so I know what we're doing. And so we play ping pong, but eventually I'm like, all right, enough. So I wanted, there's these hilarious movies, inappropriate, but I should, we watch these movies, these ping pong specific movies. Um, and, and I'm not going to give the titles of them. You can go search them, right? But we watch these ping pong movies, and this is what relationship to my watch. Um, the next day, the YouTube, YouTube algorithm on my computer at the church was filled with ping pong movie, ping pong like videos. We watched this movie at our home on our TV. And, and Google found me and filled my, my YouTube page with ping pong tutorials and ping pong challenges and ping pong this. Like, fifth, like the, just a wall of ping pong. So my watch, it's triggering on something and reminding me. And then, so be careful, everyone. I'm not telling you all to remove technology, but... That's a side story. Anyway, as I was, here's the text, Hebrews 10, uh, 19 through 25. I'm going to read it to you, then we're going to talk a little bit about it. The first part of Hebrews 10 is, is really a, a, a capstone to the last three weeks, that Jesus is greater than in his sacrifice, and the work that he did on the cross satisfies everything. And again, the writer of Hebrews is reinforcing, 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 and saying this is, this is the perfect sacrifice once and for all. So we're going to pick it up at verse 19, and let me read this to you. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. I've said that like the last three weeks. We've, we've clued in on that, and and and. The writer of Hebrews has spent 
three chapters explaining this. He spent an entire book explaining that Jesus is greater and he has taken care of all of it. And since, verse 21, since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right up into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for... We affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts and love, acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Again, I, I, re, I reinforce this. I'm reading out of the NLT. I gave everybody a reason that the core people why I'm reading out of the NLT, I have thoughtful reasons why, but I study the ESV, and when I read that, I'm like, ah, my, my words and like what's going on in my brain, I'm transliterating it as I'm reading it, right? Uh, the word that really bothers me is um, I want to spur you on towards love and good deeds. I don't want to motivate you, I want to spur you. And so that's the end of, of Hebrews 10, 24. I want to I spur, but anyway, it's, as I was reading this and studying it, what kept coming to mind is our mission and values. So of who we are as a church, and, and as a board, this was developed multiple years ago. They worked through it, they processed through it, they spent time. These aren't driven by me. But if you look at the screen with me, here's our vision statement. Catherine Alliance Church is fighting for it together with hope in Jesus Christ. That's our vision statement. That's what, it's on, that's what we put on the website. And we really haven't taken a ton of effort, energy or effort to like use uh, proof text verses or use supporting verses to the values. We just like, this is what the board said. This is what we're gonna be about. And this is what we're about. We spent a couple of days working through it and spending some time. And these aren't even my words. This is the word that the board, and I'm like, I'm, I'm in on that. I can, I can dig with that. This feels good to me. I'm all in. And that's such a healthy way for a church leadership group to come up with the words and not have it be crowbarred in by some sort of pastoral agenda. I felt so happy with what was developed here that it, it just felt good, right? So the vision statement, we're going to fight forward. Through hope in Jesus Christ. That's what our church is going to do. So everything that we do is going to, is going to be uh, revolve around that. So that's our value system. How are we going to play that out? How's it going to look? So the value system is this. Stop it. Casper Alliance Church values. We expect more. I'm going to break that down a little bit in a second. Number two is do the work. And number three is without meaningful relationships, we are wrecked. Now, you might see that all over the place. We have these, I forget we have these on our wall. They show up, so this is, this is out in the, in the uh, what the uh, church people call narthex, uh, what, what other people call the lobby. So, like, we have these hanging up. If you're sitting in the sanctuary before, before church starts, you'll, you'll see it on the screen, these words. Without meaningful relationships, we're wrecked. Well, these are our value systems. Do the work. They're hanging up. But here's the deal. I don't want them to just be words. They can't just be words. They got to they gotta drive what we are. They got to they gotta, uh, motivate, spur us towards who we're going to become. And what we're trying to become is a church that when you walk into this place, you go, those people will fight for me. And they're doing it not because they want a pat on the back or they want a Christian side hug or they want some sort of benefit. They're doing it because they have complete hope in who Jesus is and what the, Jesus has already done in their own lives. 
And because of that motivation, intrinsically because we love Jesus here as a church family, or individually and then corporately, we, we jump right into relationship. So there's a person in this church who says, if, you, if you're uncomfortable at this church, you're not going to want to be here, but you're going to get uncomfortable really fast because people will engage you and they will see what's going on in your life and they will step into your space and they will get involved in, in, your, in, your, uh, in your world and, and they'll ask you bad questions and make you feel uncomfortable. I do it all the time. I'm always asking you things that you probably don't want to answer. But that, so as I was studying this text, those words kept jumping in my mind. This is who we are. This is Hebrews 10, 19 to 25 is, is a, a, a biblical way to say what we say as our vision and values. Okay, so let's make them mean more than, let's have them be more than just catchphrases. We expect more. Let's, let's start there. We expect more. Throw that slide up for me. Um, we want to, when we say we expect more, what does that actually mean? Uh, is it that we're wholly dissatisfied with who we are? Let's look at the text again. Brothers and sisters, verse 19, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. The writer of Hebrews is saying, you can go further than what you currently are doing right now. You can have access to God's presence all of these practices that you've been practicing haven't necessarily given you access. You've been doing them. We've talked about it. The sacrifices, the old ways, the covenants, they, they didn't clear the conscience. They maybe satisfied a moment, but they didn't clear the conscience. So people weren't able to worship freely. The writer of the Hebrews is saying, you can enter, enter into God's presence. You can go into the Holy of Holies. You can expect things to happen in your life that are deeper. You should desire for things to happen in your life that are deeper. From a very practical sense, there's sin in your life that you shouldn't be just comfortable with. You should be very uncomfortable with some of the things that are going on in your world and in your life. And I'm not even personally, I'm talking like from, from a corporate standpoint, there should be things in your life and things that you see, things in your neighborhood that you should be incredibly uncomfortable with and not excited about and want Jesus to impact them and to change them. Well, it starts with you. I'm telling you, there is no social media post that can transform a neighborhood. It just doesn't work. You, when you tweet into the void, it is literally into the void. You, but your life and the way in which you live reflects that you expect more from God in you to transform and to change you. It's the way you parent and the way you have your marriages and your friendships. It's everything. Now here's, at this particular church, when we say we expect more, there's two things that happen. We believe that you can grow and that we believe that you can have power. Now the power thing feels a little crazy, right? We're like, power, power to do what? If, if you were to dive deeper into the church experience here at Casper Line Church, you would go through a discovery course. Through discovery course, you will find a couple of different things. One is that there's a way in which people grow, and that's by doing spiritual disciplines. By practicing the things that Jesus practiced. By doing the things that Jesus did. He prayed. He, he was good to the, uh, he served. Let's just make it simple. He, he gave, he worshiped, spiritual disciplines. We believe that's the, the single ingredient to growth. There's no trick. It's showing up. It's, it's 
value number two. It's doing the work. But we believe that you, by practicing spiritual disciplines, will start to grow. Now, the power side of it is a spiritual gift. We believe that everyone who loves Jesus is given a spiritual gift. And, as you, and, and it's the only place, it's the only place where you receive guaranteed power from heaven to do the work for the church. Scripture's teaching, we walked through this a, a, a while ago, that you've been given a gift for the betterment, for the good of the church. And so, as a person or somebody participating in church life here at Casper Line Church, when we say we expect more, we expect more growth in our own lives, we expect more power from heaven to do the work that God has called us to do. And by discovering that in you, you will be filled with joy, filled with hope, and have purpose in the church. And that's an expectation that I think you can show up and have. Now, here's the deal. You can't just show up on a Sunday morning and, have, and get it by osmosis, right? And so here's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Be bold. You can boldly enter into heaven's place, into the holy of holies. And so we can proclaim or say or talk about, I want to grow. I want to grow. And here, because we've worked on it for some time, we can say, here's how you can grow. We promise if you show up and do these things, you will grow. You will grow by studying your Bible. You will grow by dedicating time to prayer. You will grow by serving. You will grow by, by giving. You will grow by all of these disciplines, by worshiping. They might not be comfortable or fun, but either is going to the gym. You will lose weight if you take in less food and you work out more. I promise. And you're like, no, 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 no. Listen, it's a fat guy talking to you. I have proof texts in my own life. If I eat less and work out more, it happens. I lose weight. If I eat more than I burn, I gain weight. It's a simple equation. Walking with Jesus is only complex because of our excuse. It's only complex because we've made it complex. There is guaranteed places of growth and you can boldly step into those uncomfortably and angry and disappointed and frustrated, but you can step into those and say, I, God, I want to grow. So I'm going to show up today and I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to show up today and I'm going to pray. I'm going to show up today and I'm going to fast. I'm going to show up today and I'm going to serve. I'm going to show up today and I'm going to give. And as you string a bunch of those days together, your proximity to Jesus gets closer and closer and closer. And your dependency on him is greater and greater and greater. And the transformation in your life is more evident. So you can be bold and say, I want to grow. The other side of it is you can be bold and say, I want to enter the Holy Holies. And I want to invite somebody here to participate in this with me. I want somebody to taste heaven I want, to use, I want God to use me so that I can show someone else who he is. That's what the church is about. And your engagement in the church uh, and how you do it, I just looked at Denise and I thought of the spiritual gift thing. And, and Denise faithfully cleans this building every Saturday. So none of you have to. And I, this is, I didn't ask for permission. I don't ever ask for permission. Ask for forgiveness, forgiveness. I, I tried to pay Denise this year. I tried to say, you do so much service in this church. It, I, we need to pay you. She's like, no, this is how I serve. 
I don't sing is what she said. I clean. <laughs> if you were to come into this building and trail Denise secretly and hide, you can sense her joy in what she's doing. When I come in on Sunday morning and the bathroom doesn't smell like Wednesday night, I feel joy. That's a blessing. She stepped up, stepped into a place to where she felt God was calling her to do it and has faithfully done it. And I'm hoping that every time she leaves this place, she feels like she's blessed this church. She's exercising one of her spiritual gifts of service. And every time she comes in here and does that, it's blessing, it's for the betterment of us. We can expect more in our walk with the Lord. We can expect more out of our own lives. This isn't a, hey, we're little gods and health and wealth and make us rich. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about deep transformation in who you are. Change, to become more like Jesus. We can all look at ourselves in the mirror when we go home today or when you did this morning, and you're, you can identify in your own life the things that you're struggling with, the things that you, you fail on, the things that you maybe are sin, sinful at, the things that are just kind of clinging to you. You know them. And you can have those things rooted out of your life. I, I didn't plan on this either. But I'm, maybe this is Sunday morning, give examples of how this stuff happens. Uh, about three weeks ago, I decided to remove social media from my life. Just in general. Not because I'm making some sort of political statement, but because I was angry all of the time. And I could feel it. I could look in the mirror and I could feel the frustration and the anger and, the, and just like, and I couldn't identify what it was. So I was like, you know what? Just cut it all out. I, frankly, I don't miss any of it. I haven't. I even removed TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> it's just gone. All of it gone, right? I didn't make, this is the first time I've announced that, right? I didn't even tell my household. I could feel in my own spirit just like a lifting. And I'm not, this isn't like, hey, go remove social media in your life. I'm just saying that I did it. And I made it. And then this last week, Chris, Chris told me, he's like, you know, Hannah says that you're happier around the office. <laughs> Mind you, Hannah is in the office doing administrative things for like a minuscule amount of time. So much so that she noticed a difference in me. How, so I wanted to not feel the way I was feeling and I'm trying to identify the way I was feeling and figuring it out. And so just start removing things. So when I look at myself in the mirror at home, I go, why am I so angry? Why am I so frustrated? Why am I so disappointed? There's a multitude of reasons and all of you can have them too and you can enjoy. But here's the point. I'm going, I expect more and I expect to lead better and I expect to be happier. I expect to exude joy at home and I expect to have this thing inside of me that reflects that I love Jesus and it's not. And why is that? Let's start ripping things out. Let's start taking things away. Let's start figuring out what it is so that when I show up at home, I'm not angry dad or angry husband or disappointed in the world man. I'm a guy who can speak hope into my kids, hope into my wife, hope into our situation so I can provide, I can protect, I can promote my family to love Jesus as well. 
So I had to remove four things from my life. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And all of a sudden, there's like this lifting, right? Now there's other things we could talk about, but I'm not gonna get there. You have them. Expect more. This is what the text is saying. I wanna walk with Jesus. I wanna be with Jesus. I wanna stand with Jesus. I wanna be in his presence. He's already opened the path. He's already torn down the veil. He's already, by his blood, by his sacrifices, invited me in to participate in his presence, to be there. Jesus opened a new life-giving way. Life-giving way is what the NLT says. Not like, hey, let's, again, I'm going to continue to use the same example. We're not bank tubes where we just get sucked into heaven. we got to live this life. And when we live this life with hope and joy and reflecting that Jesus changed who we are, it invites others in to participate as well. To say, I want some of that. I want a taste of that joy. I want a taste of that, that encouragement. I want a taste of that, that hope that things are going to be good. Even no matter where, where the wrecking ball is currently hitting your life. You can expect more. You can experience Jesus' power by the work that he's already done. When he goes and uh, he's doing the, all, uh, the upper room discourse, uh, John 13 through 17, he's trying to impart this hope to his disciples. He's saying, you are going to do greater things. Abide in me, I'll abide in you. You can do this. 17, 17, John 17, 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Set them apart from the world. Help them to reflect me. There's a combination of boldness that creates growth and power as you seek and long for Jesus to change who you are. So when we say expect more, that's, that's my interpretation. Now, you might find other leaders in our church that would say something a touch different. That's okay. But when I think of expect more, what I just gave as my own personal testimony, that's what I want to see happen in every last one of you. Whether you're, this is the first Sunday you've showed up here or you've been here for 700,000 Sundays, Steve Stumbo. I, that's what I'm looking for. That's when we have that as a value, that needs to ring true in your heart and your mind. All right, so what's the next one? Do the work. Let's look at this slide. I didn't read Acts 1a. Acts 1a says, you'll receive power and the spirit of God comes on you to be my witnesses. The whole point of, the whole point of having this proximity to Jesus where we are changed and transformed, where we expect more is to actually be a witness. But here we say, do the work. This is such a Wyoming phrase, right? Like step up, do the work. You need to show up and be disciplined, get it done. Now, what's awesome about this place, about Wyoming, is people are willing to work. We make a joke in our household. The boys in our household, the two, our two sons, both have two jobs. Each one of them is working two jobs this summer. One's flipping burgers and mowing lawn. The other one is uh, mowing lawn and dressing up like a goofball. But they're both working two jobs. They're not afraid of work, right? The same thing can happen in our spiritual lives. Work. What does that mean? Spiritual consistency. Let's look at the text. And since we have this great high priest, I'm going to read verse 21. High priest who rules over God's house, let us go right up into the presence of God with sincere hearts, full, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate, to spur each other on. There's this, there's this, uh, 
There's this do the work where you just have to continue to show up, discipline over time, discipline over time, discipline over time. Some call that grit, but you have to show up. It's spiritual consistency. And that's the disciplines. Showing up every day. You're like, but I don't want to. I, I, frankly, I don't care. Do it. <laughs> it's such a, I'm such a bad, <laughs> I'm not a shepherd. <laughs> do it. If you want things to change in your life, you've got to do it. There isn't like this, like there, there is no cryptocurrency to spiritual growth. There's not a get rich quick. You cannot scratch off a, a lottery ticket to grow spiritually. There's no Powerball that where you can just put in six numbers and all of a sudden be wealthy. There is nothing that's the equivalent in spiritual growth. Not at all. There's not one thing. You don't just get to be arrived. You have to work your way to arrival continually. This isn't, uh, this isn't um, legalism or, or works-based salvation. No, this is about spiritual consistency. To where when we look at ourselves in the mirror, I'm going to keep using that reference, we're not disappointed every day, but we're doing the work. Like you're getting on the scale every morning when you're trying to lose weight. That's a motivation. You're like, oh, I should have drank that gallon of water before I weighed myself this morning. (laughs) Every little quarter pound matters. Spiritual consistency is incremental steps towards closer to Jesus. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for spiritual consistency in our lives. That's do the work. To where every day you wake up and say, how can I get close to Jesus? Every day, how can I boldly approach? How can I hold tightly to this hope? How can I cling to everything that Jesus has promised? How can I hold firmly to it? So that no matter what, I won't waver. To I'm going to show up. I'm going to be there. I'm not going to flake out. I'm going to show up. Now, that sounds hard sometimes. That's difficult even to preach because I am such a flake. I really am. It's way easier for me to take a nap. Like this morning, like when we don't have Sunday school, like for these two months, I'm like, ooh, I could, to- I could just sleep until like nine. Nobody would know the difference. Nobody would know the difference. I would. God doesn't care if I sleep till nine or get up at seven. But there is something in my brain, and this is for me, not for you. This is for me, that says if I'm lazy for those two hours, I'm not preparing myself for this time. I have a system and a routine and a practice that I've done for 20 years of my life. That this Sunday morning from 7 to 7.30 to 8 needs to be a certain way or I'm off. And if I don't show up and do it that way, I'm off. And I need to. So... The alarm didn't go off. I was awake, like I am every Sunday. And I was like, I don't, and I got myself out of bed. And I got here, because I showed up. All of us can show up. You can show up. So be, hold firmly to hope. So here's the deal. This is this, this like, there's a, ooh, I need, we need to be done. Go to the last one. Without meaningful relationships, we're wrecked, right? So this is the end of this text. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be entrusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us spur each other on towards love and good deeds. And let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. If we live in the light of Jesus coming, 
You want to bring everyone into the power of the relationship. Now, here's the deal. We, we miss we miss relationships. Whether you're an introvert or not, we've spent a year and a half with this social experiment and what is it like to be alone? And it's bad. We are designed to be together, whether you like people or not. You are designed to be in relationship. You're designed to be connected. You're designed to interact. You're designed to be challenged. You're designed to, to, to spur one another. And this is how we were created in relationship. And this is why when we don't have meaningful relationships, we're wrecked. Go back to my social media experience. Those are all fake relationships. I don't have 41 friends. I have one friend. She's in the nursery right now. The rest of you are mere acquaintances in my life. Well, you don't have 700 friends. Who? All right. I, oh, I want to do this so bad. Who's got more than a thousand friends on Facebook? Raise your hand. You don't have a thousand friends, Risa. Either to you, Zach, you might have six. And they're all in this room. It's true. Like, we live in that way. And, we, and we, so here's the deal. We can fake ourselves into this thing that we have meaningful relationships. And we don't. Those aren't meaningful. Meaningful relationships are the people that you're hugging, you're side-hugging, that you can dump on, that they can dump on you, that you can share life with, that you can cry with, that you can hug, and that, that all of those things, the people who are gonna be there regardless of how awful you are. That's why I know I have one friend, and she's in the nursery because no matter how awful I am, she's always there, and she's always caring for me. Sometimes she's meaner than other days. That's true. She's mean sometimes to me. Woe is me. But there is this, we're designed to have meaningful relationship with one another. And the fr frankly, I need your help because it's not natural for me. I need your help to have deep and meaningful relationships. We were just joking this morning before church started about how pastor calls don't happen anymore. And they're actually poo-pooed. Like there's like kind of taboo to like knock on a door, right? Like don't show up to my house if you're a pastor. Like, that's the best for me. I love the new pastor lifestyle. You don't have to go to anybody's house anymore. That, but that's so wrong. It's so wrong. Here's the deal. For when we're in meaningful relationships, this, it creates an accountability structure. You can hold each other accountable. So that doing the work piece and that expecting more, you're naturally in a place to where you're spurring and, and kneeing and kicking each other and, and motivating each other towards good things, towards the things of Jesus. When you're in relationship with one another, deep, meaningful relationship, you can say hard stuff. You can, you can say hard things. And when you're doing this in the light of the day approaching, as, as the ESV says, or the end coming, it is such a necessity to the church to live this out every single day. Without meaningful relationships, we're wrecked. Um, I'd, I'm going to invite the worship team up. We're going to go into a time of communion. Um, I want these phrases, these values, these words that we have on the wall. No, it's fine. They can walk over here today. Um, to not just be trite platitudes, but to have meaning and value. And so <laughs> that's who we need to be as a church.
That's who we're striving to be as a church. And we're going to do our best every single week and day to live that out, to be a church that's fighting forward together through hope in Jesus Christ, a church that when we look at we expect God to do more in our lives so we can be more like his son, so we can impact our community in a different way than, than headlines. We're going to show up and do the work. We're going to be engaged in people's lives, and we desire to be connected to one another. And here's the, here's, that's the test of a kind of church that we are. And this is really for core people who've been here for a while. If, if we're not engaging people who come in and visit and stop by and swing by, we're missing the boat. We're missing the opportunity. We're missing a way in which God has called us to live. And, and that's a critical part of who we are as a church family. Now, as we take communion, this is a an opportunity to, to set, to reset, I think. When you take communion, you can, you can, this is a great time to 